and welcome to episode two of the Heathen Weirdos podcast. I'm Kenna. Astrid puts me in charge of this episode for reasons. Everyone else, please introduce your voices. Hi, this is Theo. My pronouns are they, them. Hi, it's Jay. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Astrid, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, I'm Sif. My pronouns are she, her. Today we are talking about how to practice in the broom closet and or on a budget. This is what I lovingly call broke bitch praxis. It's my unofficial official term for finding ways to build a practice on a budget, in a closet, secretly, on stealth mode. And it is one of my favorite pieces of the heathen witchcraft puzzle. One of the things I always say is that ancient peoples used the tools that they had, and I think that we should too. A lot of us, regardless of how long we've been doing the heathen and or witch thing, get sucked into the aesthetic of social media practices, the pretty crystals, the gorgeous statues, all that gorgeous badass stuff. And that's all great. I love it too. I think it's gorgeous. But it is also not vital to anyone's practice. You can be a good witch, a good heathen, a good pagan, without needing to spend a metric fuck ton of money on tools and pretty things. So that's what we are going to be here talking about today. So let's start with some beginner needs. What are some of those tools that you guys think beginners actually need? I think knowledge is a really great beginner standpoint. And um, with that, besides reading your witchy textbooks or your Norse heathenry and whatever, is fire safety forever and always. Smokey the bear. Please don't (laughs) burn your house down. Please don't light fires where you shouldn't. It Just don't. Please. Um, so, like, besides knowledge, like, you can use any kind of cup, a dish, or a light source. Like, you can use a candle, like, a, either a standard candle or, like, a little LED candle. Fuck, when I was in the closet, I used a lamp a lot or my ceiling light. Otherwise, like... I just really, that's really all. Maybe a spoon. I like spoons. Spoon. I think one of the things I also tell people uh, as beginners, besides the normal, get a cloth if you're going to be doing candles or libations. This way you're not having to clean wax off of wooden shelves or have to deal with your wine, honey, water, whatever spilling all over the floor your cloth is going to be able to help you out with that and paper and pen or pencil and pen uh paper wow try that again pencil and paper (laughs) because you can use those to write bind runes you can use them to write sigils you can use them to write out your prayers so that you don't forget them you could even Um, use those as altar cloths i would argue you Especially Absolutely. if you're making offerings in some way to an or another two different deities. This paper, mm-hmm. you just throw it away when you're done. Absolutely. I love that idea. You know what else I think beginners need? I think they need a mindset of sacredness. And I know that sounds really like posh and bougie, but I mean mm-hmm. literally like if you're in the broom closet and you don't necessarily have a space that feels 100% safe, you kind of have to make that in your head. Yeah. Yes. So that you can employ it anywhere you go. 
Like I've heard oh. some people keep secret altars like in their shower. Showers mm-hmm. don't feel sacred, so you have to find a way within your own brain to allow it to be sacred. That makes sense. I mean, oh, yeah. I I feel you could make it feel sacred because it's if you go from the perspective of uh, miasma or just like uncleanliness being mm-hmm. um, a, an idea uh, that's not welcomed in your practice, just like to get rid of gross and negative. I don't know. Anyways, your showers where you cleanse all of that away from yourself. So like I could I could see that easily being a sacred space. I tend to um, put on something that kind of initiates, oh, this is me doing ritual, this is a sacred space. So I have an arm ring on my altar that I put on. It doesn't have to be that fancy. It could be a Mjolnir, it could be anything. It could, it could be like an armband or a bracelet. It just says, this is, I'm doing ritual now, or this is, you know, I'm in that space or that mindset. Yeah, kind I mean, of like I know some people who do, yeah, it's a cue, it's a psychological cue, it's, like, I know some people who use a specific perfume before they do a ritual thing, or, like, they put on, I mean, if you don't have perfume and you don't use perfume, a scented lotion, or you use a certain soap in the shower before you do a, you know, or in the shower, whatever, wherever you're doing your thing, it's just some, a lot of people use something like that, like a piece of jewelry, a piece of clothing, um smell a sound i know in ceremonial magic i think a bell can often Mm -hmm. be a signifier of transition so something like that might work for you if you're still working on beginning into things like sacred space ritual space things like that i've used a bell before i know that i know for me it's i veil for larger rituals so i have a specific one that i'll wear for larger workings and it's it's like you guys said, it's that psychological cue of, yep, this is this is something sacred. So yeah. Time to do a thing. Yeah. And also, so like on a slight tangent for beginner stuff, for me personally, as someone who has anxiety and PTSD, like my practice actually really got a lot better when I started practicing mindfulness. I ended up taking a class through work and stuff like that. And it's just, it really helped me be able to center better. Stuff like that. And meditate. Yeah, grounding is really a good thing. And it can be simple. Grounding can be really, really simple. All right, let's move forward. What are some of your personal favorite cheap resources for beginners? We've talked a lot about tools. Let's go to resources. That sounds fun. Uh, for sure. Um, thrift stores, secondhand stores, dollar stores, that kind of stuff. They're great for um, candles, bowls, jars, bottles, cups, whatever you, whatever you want or need. That's a great place to start and find stuff. Um, the grocery store is also good. <laughs> uh, you can buy a lot of basic herb stuff that you, if you would want, if you use that in your practice, you can get a lot of that stuff in the grocery store. Cheap and it's good and it's, it works just as well and it's easy to find. So that's always, if you can't find it in a grocery store or just like a dollar store and you can't afford anything more than that, then you don't need it. 
You don't need it no matter what the book says, no matter what the website says, no matter what the, the YouTuber says. You don't need the thing if you can't find it somewhere you can afford it. Um, you can actually find herbs in the dollar store a lot of times, too. And they work just as well. Uh, in fact, right now on my altar, I believe I have a container of mint and a container of rosemary from the dollar store. So, See? It worked. It's fine. Well, <laughs> also well, grow your own. Yeah, and also another thing, like if you just have an empty jar or like an old spice container lying around, if you go to the bulk store or like the bulk area in a store, if if that's available to you, you can also get your herbs and stuff for really cheap. So one of the problems that new heathens often run into is that sources and sagas tend to feel really expensive. How do you guys get around that? When you guys were beginning. Library? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yep. Library. Bruh. I know I sure as hell made a lot of use of sacred texts. Half their internet traffic right now is like me reading the Voluspa over and over. <laughs> <laughs> I've also... uh, internet Archive really helps too, because it'll search old websites that may not be available anymore, but you can search by topic. And while, yeah, some of them are going to be kind of weird, and but you're going to find some really hard-to-find things through Internet Archive, and it's completely free. I've also used JSTOR and stuff like that, which I can't remember JSTOR's paywall. I know I don't pay to use what I do for it, but it does have a subscription feature. That sounds right. So you can get more stuff. I currently have never felt the need to do that, but it could change. Um, I also use Scribed a lot. It's $10 a month, and they have a large portion of the books that I'm interested in. Yeah, JSTOR, if you have a Gmail account, JSTOR gives you 99 articles a month. That's more than enough. And with JSTOR, yeah, and with JSTOR and stuff, like... A lot of those academic database kind of websites, um, if you can't get past the paywall with just like a, a regular email login that you just sign up or just search through it or whatever, a lot of times um, your co local colleges will have access to them or local libraries will have access to them for you. So all you'd need to do is go into the building and use one of the computers there and you should be able to access it for free with no problem. Or email them, see if you can get access to it, whatever, and they should be able to help you out there too. Higgins are single-handedly going to reinvigorate the library industry solely based upon our need to research shit all the time. That's why Astrid's here. Yeah! <laughs> Represent! Yeah! <laughs> Sif, do you have any resources that are more applicable to UK heathens and witches? Oh, boy. Or is it all pretty much the same as US? It's pretty much the same. Oh, uh, there's a few, um, I mean, like secondhand bookstores around here. There's like a dime a dozen, which is an American saying, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, secondhand bookstores guaranteed will have the Oxford uh, publications for the sagas. I mean, every time I've been into a secondhand store, bookstore, they're there. So I'd recommend 
going, like exploring in whatever cheap bookstores are in your area, you will find yes. you probably find some treasures. Yes, I found my copy of Neal Saga in a thrift store. Yes, in like the historical literature t- section, it's great. Mm-hmm. Love a thrift store. Yeah, but other than that, libraries mm-hmm. will have it as well. Yeah, nothing specific to the UK. So one thing I did, like the only other thing I can think of right now, um, using thrift stores and like bookfinder.com or which um, you can search for a title and it'll find all the listings. You can pick whichever one you like best, whether it's from a seller that's not Amazon or just for the cheapest book. If you have friends who are also interested in heathenry, you can find whatever you both want to read like see if you can find it at the library or jstor or one of the other free sources but otherwise you could just divide the books that you're going to buy and share them yes communal libraries yeah heck yeah all for it beginners need altars no (laughs) no (laughs) no that's literally yeah, one of the lines no. I've put in my notes. Okay, next question. We're <laughs> good. Next, yeah, we'll move on now. <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> you don't need anything. You don't need anything in italics. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't. Um, like, I... <sighs> I went years without having a designated altar space. Um, partially because I wasn't actively practicing because I was in a weird place. Um, and partly because I didn't feel the need to have one. Um, I'm from Colorado originally, and we lived in an area where I could literally walk two blocks and be in the woods or drive 15 minutes and be in the mountains. So that was my altar space for a while. And I didn't feel the need to have it in my house. Um, it was actually kind of nice to not have to have an official altar at that point. I was able to focus more on myself and what I was feeling and not have to like fidget with candles or deal with cleaning up stuff afterwards or making sure that things are in the right place because I'm a control freak and a perfectionist. So I do that. <laughs> and it like that actually, I think it really impacted how I view my altar spaces now because um, I don't see them as sacred in their own right just because i call them an altar space they're sacred because i make them that way and i can do that anywhere at any time without needing anything to do it but me so you know like we talked earlier about making a shower a sacred space or a bathroom or you know just a spot on a park bench while you're waiting for the bus to come pick you up for work like those things that can be a sacred space if you make it one for yourself so yeah long story short you don't need an altar (laughs) i love that i think that's something that a lot of times i know i did it as a beginner i totally overlooked the need for me to be a part of making something sacred i just wanted pretty shit i wanted shiny rocks and a cutesy little like I got in on witchcraft, so I was like, I need a pentagram, and I need the four directions, and I need a feather over here, and a knife over there. I really didn't. It just sat there. It gathered dust for, like, six months. I didn't do a damn thing with it. Because it wasn't... 
it, it's exactly what you said. It wasn't sacred in its own right. And I didn't fucking touch it. So it just never... It was never sacred capital S. It was just, like, sacred in a corner <laughs> over there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't need all the stuff. Like, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in all the stuff because it's fun. It's fun and it's pretty and... I mean, who doesn't like having cool shit in their house? Because everybody loves having cool shit in their house. But you don't, it's not required. You don't have to do it. And on that same note, even if you do decide you want an altar, if that's authentic to you, great, love it. I have one too. My altar is full of bullshit. There's so (laughs) much unsacred stuff on it. I have a fucking Marvel Mjolnir on my altar and it just lives there. I love that. It's beautiful. Great. I love it. You're in the closet. You're a heathen in the closet. Marvel merch is your best friend. That's true. I mean that entirely unironically. I mean, I'm pretty sure we all have some pretty weird shit on our altars. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I mean, like... Like a graveyard. (laughs) I I love bones on my altar. So good. See, and I'm sitting over here with my RBG prayer candle. <laughs> because, you know, like, like, female, you know, knowledge and power and, well, Freya was like, yeah, nope, that. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> exactly. So, not quote-unquote typically sacred, but it's sacred to me. And I think that's something a lot of people always get hung up on, like we've been saying. Just because something isn't labeled as an altar tool or something for a deity or something specific to whatever religion you're feeling, doesn't mean it's not sacred. I mean, everyone's (laughs) going to have their own style. If it doesn't jive with you, don't waste your money on it. My style is death. (laughs) And I appreciate you for that. Sif's <laughs> over here with a literal graveyard on her altar, and I'm like, I have a silicone bracelet from Spirit Halloween because I donated a dollar to the Spirit of the Children Foundation, and now well, it lives on my Monty altar because well, reasons. And okay, like I have a lot of bones on my altar as well, which like probably not as many as Sif. I don't know, but that's fine. But my my truly um strangest piece on my altar is actually something I made in an art class when I was like 16. His name is Sir Rupert Gloucestershire the third. And um What? Yeah, you heard me. Um, <laughs> I love it. And so do you know those little sponge holders that are like animals with gigantic open mouths? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's one of those and he's me? a hamster. <laughs> What? Yeah, adorable. He's a hamster. I love that. And so, and he's the third because I completely obliterated the first two. So you know, whatever, it's oh, fine. Yeah. Um, it's great. I love it. He's made of clay, and so I just have this open mouth screaming hamster on my altar. That's a vibe. I love it. My favorite. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I think the weirdest thing I think I've ever had on my altar was. <laughs> so I was doing a thing um, dealing with like Odin and Sleipnir and moving between places and spaces in my life so uh, I have a plastic squeaky unicorn that has rainbow hair yeah. and it's white 
and it makes the most bonkers screechy squeak noise and i had that on my (laughs) altar for like three months (laughs) and it looked ridiculous because it's up there with like you know these nice candles and like a coyote skull and like a (laughs) jawbone and then there's this obnoxious fucking unicorn and I love it. I still love it. A friend got it for me on a road trip at a gas station in California, and I love that thing so much. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm here for this unicorn. Oh, that's entirely... That's so good. That's iconic. Okay, I have to grab it. Let me grab it. It's going to make my dogs go crazy. But I don't know. Oh, are we going to get to hear the sounds? Think the sacred get- sounds? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, God. Okay, so what, what everyone's going to do is get a squeaky toy and use that as your sacred mindset trigger? You could. Yep. <laughs> this yeah, is going to work. It will sound like this. <laughs> it's not picking up very well, is it's it? Not. No, we turn the real close to the mic. Turn the gain up on my microphone. That's a little bit. Damn it! It's not picking up. <laughs> Just crank your sensitivity up real high oh, for a minute. My dogs are going crazy because they hate it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is just the rest of the episode. Come on. <laughs> it's slight near the unicorn. God damn. It's so sad. It's a sad sound. Okay, I'm turning my game back down because that's fucking obnoxious. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it's so good. Oh, good. It was like a god, soft so exhale with a squeak on it. <laughs> It sounds, it not- you know, like those videos of, like, the the music videos that people make with all the, the rubber ducks? Yeah. Oh, the rubber chickens? It, yeah. Yes, the rubber chickens. It sounds like that. Sacred rubber chicken. Got it. Cool. That is I have, like, 12 of those rubber chickens. Where have they gone? In my UPG, the uh, squeaky rubber chicken is now a required beginner tool. Yep. Totally. <laughs> Definitely not sarcastic about does. this. Psychological, psychological cue. <laughs> you do what you gotta do i mean if you're ever worried about the gods not hearing you they'll fucking hear that yeah or they'll hear the dogs in the next you know the next house over barking about the unicorn squeaking because that's what my dogs do that's amazing (laughs) but that's probably the weirdest thing i have had on my altar in a really long time i think i think astrid may have just won yeah. Everyone's like, she's so serious all the time with her books and the skulls and the drinking horn and the librarianness, and I've got a fucking squeaky unicorn. It's like then secretly you're just sitting there like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I need to put it away because I keep looking at it and it's making me laugh. <laughs> Jeez. I appreciate you guys. I oh have string on my altar. If we want to play the word game of weird with a Y. Yeah, string is good. Weird, weird, weirdest string. I have used... Um, you, do you, I assume you guys are all familiar with the game Cat's Cradle. Yes. Yeah, I've used that in a ritual before. Good. So, Astrid, you used squeaky unicorn friend 
as a deity representation for Slepnir, kind of, sort of. This sacrosar, oh my god. <laughs> oh, this is very yes. important, serious heathenry. Yes. Okay. Perfect. I did. Only serious. Yes. Perfect. Oh because how much was how much is Squeaky Unicorn? What did what is his cost? Squeaky Unicorn was a gift from a friend at a gas station on a road trip. So, okay, so I think no she more than spent 10 like bucks. Oh no. Yeah. No. This is like an eight ninety nine deity representation. As opposed to beautiful Etsy carved wooden statues for 800 this is so valid right statues are gorgeous but sometimes they're just you don't need them initially oh no i i've been practicing for like over 15 years and i literally just bought my first statue last month and it's a statue of kernanos like it's fucking gorgeous um, but yeah, it's just, you know, I, I never saw the need for it. And also, especially, you know, when I was in the broom closet, like I would just draw my representation on fucking sticky notes and put them on the wall okay. or whatever. And then you can either keep them or you can discard them and no one's going to put together a ripped up sticky note from the trash can. And if they are, then they have more problems, but you know, and that's a whole other issues altogether. Yeah. yeah. That's another episode. Seriously. Uh, I know deity representations can be difficult for people. I don't get it because I don't use a ton of deity representations. I just like, like for Mani, I just find shit with moons on it. And I'm like, yeah, this goes here. I currently have like a pair of earrings that I bought at the thrift store that are the moon phases hanging on a candle holder. And that's like A1 good enough for me. Hey, that works great though. Like for, um... Let's see, on my on my altar space right now, I only have one statue. It's a little little Freya statue. Um, and mm. other than that, like as far as deity representations go, I have like a it was a three dollar wooden coffin from the craft store that I decorated for hell with paint and a wood burner. Yeah. And I've got a big silver snowflake shaped metal Christmas tree ornament that I've used for Scotty because I've had it for years. It was in a box full of Christmas ornaments and I needed something at the last minute and it happened to be Yule time. So Christmas tree ornament it was. I love that creativity. Um, Something I've actually started doing, and this is actually based off a tip of someone uh, from one of the other servers. Take your typical white, cheapy pillar candle from the dollar store buy yourself a box of crayons okay melt whatever color crayon brings that god to your mind melt it over the candle guess what now you've got a colored candle that will represent whatever deity you want it to brilliant they'll know who they are when they hear this <laughs> so all, the, all the shout outs yes <laughs> i'm a big believer in there's something innately special in making something with your hands. Um, and there's a few times that I've tried air drying clay and just make a deity depiction out of that. Um, and that's that, that should be pretty cheap. I imagine it's cheap, air drying clay. I think so. Um, or just drawing. On a piece of paper, draw the god. There's something special about doing it yourself. 
And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid if you really can't draw like me. Draw something that represents that deity. I really can't draw that well. But when it comes to Freya, I can draw a rose. When it comes to hell, I can draw a skull. You know. Mm -hmm. Or even just some cool colors. Like the colors that come to mind when you think of that. Just abstract art. It's still art. It's fine. And if you really, really, really can't draw, especially for all you lovely, dirty heathens out there, the runes are like maximum five lines. It's five lines. You can do it. And also, if you really can't draw, like, like I really can't draw, which is totally fine. I, in my opinion, um, if you actually are putting real effort into it and you're trying, the gods are going to appreciate it. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be good. Have you seen the carvings on wood, on a rock from the actual like Viking Age? It's not great. It's a little rough around the edges. I think the gods are okay with it. <laughs> they tried hard. They put in the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's something, too, that a lot of people have to like keep remembering. Your best that you can try is what the gods want. They don't need you to be perfect. They aren't either. So don't feel like you have to be perfect when you're drawing for them or when you're trying to put words together for a prayer. Uh, Saying the word um or forgetting a line. Totally okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and like, so another thing that I used to do a lot when I still in either really didn't have a big area for an altar space or just couldn't had to have an incognito one is I would go to the thrift store the dollar store sale sections whatever and just whenever I knew I needed something for a specific thing I would keep my price range in mind and then I would go look and I would like say this I, I i hope i explain this well i'd like let the god know like if it was freya i'd be like hey i'm gonna go to this thrift store with this specific intention or this area of the store with the specific intention of finding a plate or a cup to use in ritual with you and i would go and like basically like if i got a feeling that something was preferred i would go with that yeah, going with your gut. If that makes sense. You know, like usually your first instinct when it comes to stuff like this is the best one. Like if you're going, eh, maybe, maybe she wouldn't like a black cup. Maybe she wants a one with these polka dots on it. And you go, but wait, that sounds ridiculous. Go with the first one. <laughs> mm. As ridiculous as it sounds, or it might feel, sometimes that's the best one. And also, like, who's to say that the gods wouldn't want some variety? Whatever. Do any of you guys use travel altars or miniaturized altars in your practices? I travel, yes. Yeah. Um, So in my travel altar, it's actually in two velvet tarot bags. So one of them will have two or three crystals uh, because I'm that witch. I love my crystals. <laughs> but they're not my really expensive ones. They're my cheapy ones. They're, it's usually a rose quartz, 
an amethyst and a selenite. Mm-hmm. And the combined cost of those three is usually under 20 bucks because I don't need giant ones and I don't need them to be, you know, perfectly cut or I actually like them a little raw. So there's that. Mm-hmm. There is usually a bag of rosemary, a small baggie of mint, a small baggie of either cinnamon or star anise or clove, depending. A couple of tea lights and something for each of my deities. Usually, actually, recently, it's my prayer beads that I made myself because DIY is always a great thing. Um, when you DIY stuff for your gods, you will notice they really appreciate that. So I've actually made prayer beads. And again, I think the combined cost of all my prayer beads for three deities so far was like maybe 15 bucks. So, and like I said, they're in two little velvet tarot bags, just because that way I'm not knocking everything together. And it's TSA safe. <laughs> so there was hey, that. So good to know. That was so good. Uh, TSA, quick TSA tip. Do not bring any crystals that are really large. They will flag them as weapons. Just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> I learned that. Oh, no. <laughs> Gosh. Oh. Imagine Same thing having with, your- with flying with skulls in your bags, just so you know. <laughs> don't, don't bring it on your checked bag. Or, like, Wait, don't bring what? it on the plane. Put it in your right. checked bag. Check wrap bag. it up in your t-shirts. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you'll get stopped at TSA. Right. Because otherwise, you'll get stopped by TSA and they have to go through your entire bag to find your crystals <laughs> and, then, and then residue test them. So that's always fun. So, yeah, that's oh my, my travel God. altar. <laughs> yeah. don't, tra- don't, don't travel with large crystals or skulls. Yeah. Or, or, you know, oh. or wrap them up. If you're going on a plane, maybe don't put matches in your travel altars. Yeah. If you're going on a plane, make sure make sure you read what's allowed. I will not. I almost got arrested once. Just you almost got arrested. What? Yeah, in Portugal. (laughs) Oh, this is a story. Story time with Sif. Let's go. It's not. It's not that. It's not that interesting. It's just I found it very fascinating that I managed to get out of the UK with a knife in my bag. And I got stopped in Portugal trying to get back to the UK with a knife in my bag. Oops. I promise it was it was, you know, like a little flip thing. It was I was going camping. Like a like yeah. a Swiss pocket knife. But it was like it was a really close bit of when they were mentioning it. I was like, oh god, I'm gonna get arrested for this. Jesus. <laughs> I don't the want to go to the <laughs> No, that was fun. That was a real downer on the end of the holiday, that was. Jesus. (laughs) I didn't get arrested, but it was close. There was like a lot of police people around me, and they were like using a ruler and checking it and checking it and checking the measurements. And I'm sitting there going, It's just like. (laughs) Oh no, this is how it ends. (laughs) Oh no. I enjoyed free life. There's a criminal in one country. <laughs> I know, yeah, I don't want to go back to Portugal, thanks. <laughs> oh, nice, God. you know, but... That's great. I like it. Yeah, our listeners don't know this, but Sif is actually coming to us today from a Portuguese jail. Yes. 
I've kept it hidden for this long, but now I guess you must know. Oh, by the grace the of the gods. The secret is out. Dun, dun, dun. At least they let you have yeah. books. Or you know, my like bookshelf lipos, that's, you know, they allow me to have that in my cell, so. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't okay. help it. <laughs> they allow me to have altars in my cell, how cool. <laughs> And Fire skull. and knives and bones. Fire knives and bones. Man, if I ever get to go to jail, it's definitely going to have to be a Portuguese jail. Dude, that's yeah, going to be it. the title of the book that I write in 40 years. Fire knives and bones, an introduction to heathenry. That's yeah. the whole thing. That's brilliant. <laughs> Love it. I'll read it. Yeah. I know you will, and you'll criticize it the whole time. It. It'll be so bad. It'll be a parody. <laughs> oh, God. Alright, so what are some of your favorite broke bitch offerings? Every time you say broke bitch, <laughs> I just lose it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Am I serious heathenry. See, just serious heathenry. Okay, 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 okay. Water. One. That's absolutely valid. Out of the tap. Fine. Um, I burn poetry and art. I grow flowers and put them on the altar to dry. Uh, the sacrifice of an offering certainly doesn't have to be large. An offering it's just time and energy. I've given oats as well, especially to the Vanir gods like Freya and Freya. So yeah, it doesn't have to be big, large, massive offerings. Just whatever you can find, do, spend time on. Yep, I, I second water. Oh, sorry, go oh. ahead, Jay. <laughs> um, I, I guess I should say I third water. Water is definitely... <laughs> Um, and also look into the weird, quote-unquote, associations uh, if it's a specific deity. I know there have been some really great ideas for Erd, who's goddess of healing. Everything from rubbing alcohol, witch hazel, iodine, to chicken soup. If you're making a giant pot of chicken soup, give her a small portion. Uh, or even just a yeah. band yeah. Little things like look into it. So like Freya will get little tiny bit of honey, golden, sweet, expensive back in the day. So think out of the box. Mm -hmm. I usually tell people when I talk about offerings to think about it like friendship. Not in the like very casual LMAO sending each other memes situation, but like <laughs> you know your friends. <laughs> You know what they like. You don't have to go ask your friend's parents if your bestie would like this tarot deck or that one. You know. You know your friends. So learning about your deities, learning about the deities and beings and entities that you want to connect with is going to give you a lot of insight into what might work. Yes. And what you, like, what for me, like, I don't necessarily associate Freya so much with like roses. I know a lot of people do because that's what makes sense to them. It doesn't work as much for me. So that's okay too. Like there's there's not anywhere that says what you associate with a deity has to be the same as what everybody else associates with that deity too. You can switch it up, you can change it up, you can do whatever you want. There are no rules. 100%. 100%. I know for me one of the modern associations with spiders is Loki. And I don't feel that. I don't work with Loki, which is fine. I don't I don't know if he and I would get along well because we're both agents of chaos. 
Actually, we'd get along too well. I take that back. Anyway, the point is, a lot of spiderweb stuff, for me, goes right to the Norns. Immediately. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes feel like I'm the only person who does that, especially in, like, bigger pagan spaces, because it's so common for spiders to be Loki. But it's fine. You're not. I actually associate the spiders with the Norns as well. And I do actually worship Loki. Oh, I don't associate. I I don't associate Loki with spiders up. personally, but you know it's it's not wrong to do that. Like it's just not what works for me. That's the other thing beginners need: confidence in their own associations. It's fine if your spider thing doesn't match my spider thing. We can both do the spider thing. Totally fine. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Don't feel like you need to search for approval. Not from outside sources. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, like, on the note of Loki, of my, so in in my UPG in my praxis, when I give an offering, I don't like. I'll, I'll try to tailor it more to that specific deity, um, but I wouldn't offer them something I wouldn't mm-hmm. enjoy because in my like if it's an offering it's something that um that i'm not going to benefit from like so like if i'm baking a lot and i make a lot of cookies like i'll give them some cookies or rolls or whatever i'm baking and like i then compost that offering after i'm done so i don't benefit from the cookies or um for instance on the note of loki so the only soda i really like is dr pepper like, it's by far my favorite. I love Dr. Pepper, and I don't get to have it a lot. Um, but I offer Loki Dr. Pepper whenever I have some. And in my UPG, Loki fucking loves it. Um, but, you know, why wouldn't Loki like something called, like, you know, it's Dr. Pepper. They're not doctors. Whatever. <laughs> like, it's not a doctor, and it's got so many different fucking flavors. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and, like, on that note, you know, if you're... It, heathenry has, and I think kind of paganism... At, at, in, words are hard today. <laughs> heathenry as a whole and, like, paganism as a whole tends to go a lot of, um, like, you have to offer mead to your gods or wine to your gods or whatever. And if you're either, A, underage and you shouldn't be drinking... Or you're a sober person. You don't. Alcohol is not mandatory. So if you don't. Or if you just don't like alcohol. Don't give it to your gods if you don't like it. It's okay. They're going to like coffee or tea or water from the tap just as well. 100%. Hell likes dark coffee. (laughs) In my UPG. (laughs) Absolutely. Second that with alcohol is not necessary. Wine is not necessary. You know. There's plenty of reasons why you wouldn't want to. And sometimes it's just you don't feel like it. But no, definitely valid to not want to give alcohol at all. So. Yep. And alcohol gets pushed so much, especially in heathen spaces with like mead and homebrewed beer or whatever. Like it's not it's not mandatory and it shouldn't be pushed as hard as it is. Uh, so don't. Don't let anybody bully you 
into thinking that you have to have mead on your altar in order to be a good heathen, because that's crap. Mm. One of the many, many things that we're going to be drilling into everybody's head. So, I mean, also, like, on that note, like, mead is expensive. Yeah. Yes. Good mead is expensive. Right. And anybody who tells you, oh, you can DIY it, it takes forever. It's months. (laughs) Well, and it's it's also still very expensive as someone who has made mm-hmm. mead before. Like, yeah, you need a, a shit ton of honey and it, that's expensive. And you need the materials and the carboys yeah. and like a closet that's dark and like all of this stuff. All the of the raisins. <laughs> yes. Anybody who tells you you need to be spending that much money on an offering is a liar. Mm hmm. If you want to. Making meat is a really cool devotional activity. Mm-hmm. I love a devotional activity. The best broach bitch offering is devotional oh activities. Heck yeah. Because you just do them. I, for, I live less than a block away from a fairly sized park in my town. And one of my devotional offerings is going over to the park while I walk my dogs and picking up trash. Best so broke bitch offering devotional time thing ever. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big believer in actions carrying weight, and the gods recognize it even if it's not a formal offering or sacrifice. So I know loads of people that uh, pray to Thor, for instance, to give strength or devote a workout session to him. Uh, growing flowers, cultivating things, tending to graveyards, seeking justice, doing advocacy, self-caring yourself, volunteering, all of that is a devotional like act for the gods. Um, and you can just... You know, just say a quick prayer just before you do any of that or after it or, you know, they, yep. that will be recognized. Yep. The intention, the intention is what makes it a devotional activity. Mm-hmm. And that works out really well for people who are just getting into move of offerings. I know for me, it was super weird to make like formal offerings because late in Christianity, it's like, this is, this is too much. This is too structured. Too much like Jesus camp dislike. So what I did was work devotional activities into what I already do. Like no matter what, I'm gonna have to wash my face at night, so I might as well light a candle, take it slow, dedicate that time to bettering myself in my relationship with Freya. It works, mm-hmm. and nobody freaking knows. My mom can walk past the bathroom, door wide open, me washing my face, candles lit, and she's like, eh, "Cute." That's it. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> She's doing that millennial self-care, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally that. And, and that's actually really po- common for Freya. I know I do the same thing. Like, my skincare is totally all to her. Because um, that's that also, I actually use it as a grounding, too. So, dual purpose. Um, you know, that like... You realize you've had one of those days. So you take the 10 minutes and you put on a face mask. That 10 minutes is also you devoting that and devoting you taking that time to, in this case, Freya. So, yeah, it's definitely look at the little things. Look at the little things you do and look at ways that you can expand them just a little bit. You know, if you feel like if you feel like doing everything that you've been doing isn't enough, quote unquote. Look at a way that you can expand it just a little bit. So, yeah. a lot of times that'll help with the uh, that'll help with the imposter syndrome of, uh, well, this isn't enough. It, mm-hmm. it is. 
And like one of the things that I I in the last year actually has really been um, something that I started realizing was a devotional activity for hell. Uh, I have had a lot of friends who've had family members and friends who've died uh, either from COVID or just from other things happening in their lives the last year. And I've realized that being a safe space for them to talk and grieve, that for me is a devotional activity for hell because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm allowing somebody to be able to grieve because it's an important step. And in our society, death is so we don't like it. We stay away from it. We separate our dead from our living. Everything is separate. We don't like it because it's scary. And people don't have anywhere to go to just talk about their dead loved ones. And like when someone talks about somebody who's passed, a friend, whatever, whether it's a good story or a bad story, I I can automatically click over into, okay, devotional time and let them talk about it because that's keeping them alive for them. Mm. That gave me chills, Astrid. Yeah, sorry, I brought down the whole mood. Oh, that's really important, though, because... Oh, part of good. part of exploring this faith is finding those moments, finding that random shit that becomes sacred. Yeah, I mean, and you can do that with you know, do stuff like that with anyone. Like you can, ha- if you have kids, spending some time with your kids or your family, make it a devotional activity for Frigg. Mm-hmm. Just you know, you don't have to light a candle. You don't have to do anything. You can just go in your mind, just go, okay, I'm going to do this for Frigg today. And then spend time with your family. Have a good time. I feel like that really calls back to um, the idea of quote-unquote ancient heathenry um, or traditional heathenry where, you know, it's they didn't write the stuff down, but it's not because they didn't know how, because they had a writing system. It's because it was so ingrained into their everyday lives. They were like, why would we need to tell someone yeah, that? Yeah, it's like, why would we need to write down that we brush our teeth every day? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. That's one of the reasons why my altar is covered in, covered in bones, just because my vulture culture sort of uh, fascination, I see that as a devotional act to hell. Um, finding bones, cleaning them, looking after them, putting them on the altar space, and you know, well, you know, just making sure that they're not, yeah, stepped on or whatnot. <laughs> you know, and just making sure that they're <laughs> there, they're respected, and all of that. Well, and like on the note of getting creative with it, and like it being part of your everyday life, we've it's been mentioned before, like. My entire kitchen and like everyday items that are I use around my house I use as my practice like use in my practice and for magic like my kitchen shears and my knives I definitely use in spells and whatnot um but also especially my wooden spoons I fucking love a good wooden <laughs> spoon I love it so great it's great um but like there's so and I originally did that because I was so broke. Like I could not afford to literally buy anything else. Like any money I could scrape together like went towards like 
toilet paper or whatever I didn't like wasn't covered by food stamps um and you know as as I progressed beyond that point um I just didn't see a need to do different stuff because it was working just fine and honestly um as someone who often has few spoons to deal with life um it makes me take better care of my everyday items like if my cast iron dutch oven like it's to be reseasoned that's like you know it i have to make sure that's done so i can use it for a cooking and b you know in my praxis yes and like i love that you use wooden spoons so often <laughs> I love that it's a constant, <laughs> like a constant thing we talk about is that Theo has a ton of wooden spoons and <laughs> they love their wooden spoons and they're fantastic because there's, well, you can, they're my <laughs> and you can get them anywhere for dirt yeah. cheap. They're so cheap. Yeah, exactly. And they're so easy to like customize. You can dye yeah. them, you can wood carve them, you can paint them. They're so good. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, in part of learning to carve, that's, like, one of the first things I'm learning is, one, I'm learning to carve designs into existing spoons, and then I'm working my way up to, like, carving actual spoons and stuff like that. It's not hard to carve a spoon. I'm just extremely particular about my spoons. <laughs> that's so, fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just have to make sure I get it right. One of the things that I use the most on it's not even an altar it's a shelf it's a shelf with a lot of shelves that i found at a thrift store god bless my thrift store goddesses uh a medium size cast iron cauldron it's not a dutch oven it's a straight up cauldron full cast iron it's yes. so dirty it's full of ashes but i can't throw the ashes away because i need them for things i love this thing <laughs> so much it's Which shit it's, it's like a, the size of a soup bowl. She's not small. Yes. I can have like entire baby bonfires in there. It's great. Baby bonfire. Obligatory fire safety oh, note. Yeah. Don't do that because I did accidentally like smoke box my room and it was real panicky <gasps> for a minute because the fire alarm is like fire whatever smoke detector is what it's called is literally right outside my door. So I had to open all of my windows and turn the fan on real quick. So don't do that, but super cool. Yeah, well-ventilated spaces or do it outside, folks. <laughs> Rule number one. Please don't light fires in your home. Don't light fire to your home really? for the sake of heathenry. <laughs> no. Yeah, I reuse all sorts of jars. Literally every jar that I have, I end up reusing. Like, spice jars are big. But a lot of times, even the ones from the dollar store, the plasticky ones, I'll actually reuse those for, like, I've got a handful of premixed ones that I'll make every time I get bulk sizes of certain herbs. I'll make these specific mixes all in one batch, and they'll go in those old dollar store plasticky jars. Oh, yeah. They're really good for, like... Oh, something really good happened. I should make an offering to thank somebody. Or in the case of Air, I have a specific herb mix for her. 
And whenever there is an urgent prayer request, or I personally mm-hmm. need to make a prayer to her, she gets a little bit of this herb mix. She gets whatever medicinal liquid I have around, and then her candle. So it's kind of the like super quick, yes, this is um, but reused jars for everything. Uh, they also help really really well with organizing things so you don't have like giant boxes of tea lights around get a large mason jar i mean if you have a big enough jar you can also theoretically use jars as altars fill it with shit that reminds you of said deity and then you can shove it in the back of your sock drawer and pull it out when you need it done that before yeah um jars are wonderful i have an entire kitchen cabinet full of jars. And those are just mason jars. Like, we're not even talking the jars that I've kept from, like, salsa and pasta sauce. We won't even talk about how many of those I own. <laughs> we won't. It's fine. Like, I used... I actually got rid of all of my glasses because I used mason jars more than I did my That's glasses. Incredible. So, like just have a ton of jars that I use for everything and repurpose and it's amazing. Alright, I'm gonna stop simping over jars right now. Why? Um uh I love it. Keep talking about jars though. Keep going on your low budget tools though. What about That's my good. Sp- what about my spoon? And the spoons. Yo the spoon god. Yes. Yeah. Spoons are great. What do you guys think the cheapest tool in your practice is? The cheapest tool. Pen and paper. paper. Yeah, pen and paper. Can I say bones again? I use bones because you literally (laughs) find them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Summarize this um, as Siv talks about bones at every opportunity. I mean, that's fair, though. um, Yeah. One thing I use, so you know how, like, some witches have wands and stuff like that, which is totally valid. Like, I'm not dissing people having wands. I just use my fingers in place of that. Valid. Like, whenever safe. Like, I'm not, I'm not sticking my fingers into, like, concoctions or whatever. But, like, I just use my hands. I use pencils instead of wands all the time. Awesome. I think my cheapest tool, Halloween at the Dollar Tree, is really my jam. And oh. oh my god. My uh, rune casting cloth is from the Dollar Tree. It's this real cheap, like, handkerchief bandana situation with a spider web on it, and it has it looks like a perfect spider web. When I read runes, I do uh, the center of the web is the the things closest to you and the further out you go the further away that influences so that works out super well for me and the runes that i use the runes that i use with that cloth most often are in a dollar tree jar that has a spider web lid on it that's so beautiful i love it (laughs) i love it that's so great heck yeah you don't need to get fancy shit I'm like, I need a spiderweb bandana. Who doesn't? Right? I know. Also, there are a yeah. lot of things that you can get to make runes at the Dollar Tree. Please don't feel like you have to buy them. There are so many things you can make runes oh. on at the Dollar Tree. I, when I first started learning the runes, 
I just took a Sharpie marker and I drew the runes on pennies. It's so good. Yeah. Like, you don't need to spend all this money. Don't. No. I mean, you can use anything. Um, you can use just some, I don't know, like the. Oh, it's gone. Never mind. You could, you can go rocks. outside. You can find a bunch of rocks that you really like. Yeah. Raw runes well, on I those. I think the most traditional way to like, use runes would be to go outside, find some sticks, sharpie or carve mm. symbols in, cast them right then and there. You could do that, or even like get some popsicle oh, sticks. Fuck. Yeah. Popsicle sticks. Popsicle sticks. That's great. Yeah. I love that idea. You dude with the popsicle sticks. You could even write keywords on the back of them too, if you're still learning them. It's like flashcards. Oh yeah. wow! Oh, I my. love that idea. It's actually oh, not a bad idea. It's amazing. Yeah. That's so smart. Uh, we're all just yep. I'm writing that down so that I don't forget it later. <laughs> we're even all going to be on a recording. I'm, you're all learning I'm going together. Going to Target here today. briefly online, and I'm adding popsicle sticks. <laughs> or playing That's cards. Such a I guess. Smart. I, if yeah. you need more space, use tongue depressors instead of popsicle sticks. Oh. That. Um, but like what Sif said, like you, you you can buy tarot cards, and like I'm a huge fan of my tarot cards, but like you can use playing cards. No problem. Yeah, no, playing cards are great. Cause can't you just look up yeah. online like the um It's reading the pips. That. They can you. draw I can I can drop a resource that we yeah, can have in we'll the put a link. In the description below, mm-hmm. because that's that is cool and very useful. I guess. Side note: If you ever come across my one of my pieces of art, feel free to print it off. I don't mind. <laughs> if you need a a depiction of any goddess, I guess, <laughs> seeing as I rarely draw gods. Yeah, I don't have a thingy. As long as you don't sell it or anything, I'm good with that. Just print it off. Do you? Do you have a coffee? Coffee? Coffee is what it's called. No. I probably should do something with that. <laughs> so I'm just saying, you can use my art, but you know, I don't know where you're going get to it, get it from. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and I guess we'll go with this note as just a disclaimer. I'm sure most people know this. Don't just copy artists' art unless they say it's okay. Because, yeah. Like, with Sif, like, she makes all of this on her own. Like she's just one person. It's just me. And yeah, if you, I, what I was getting at with an art website, Nakofi, I want to call it Kofi. It's coffee. I cannot <laughs> word. Um, sure. <laughs> I've always called it Kofi, um, so that's how just it's me. Spelled. We'll go with Kofi. Um, it is, but um, like. If you could not afford an actual piece from Sif or something like that, or if another artist is like, yeah, it's totally fine if you download my stuff, just don't sell it. If they have like a Kofi or a PayPal or something, you could just toss them a couple bucks if that's what you can afford. I mean, that would be rough. So that they're still getting. I mean, you know, your time is valuable <laughs> and you deserve to be paid for your work, Thank but you, you know, money sucks sometimes. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Not biased. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? What's the next bit? <laughs> I have no idea. We just keep going. Oh. I think 
I got distracted by popsicle sticks. <laughs> your voice, your words, your art, the shit you make yourself. Yes. Yeah, I mean, your your voice is easily one of, and your your words or your actions, all of those things are probably going to be. I mean, they are. They are your. I, I cannot word today. Um, yeah, words, your speech, um, whether that's written or just thought in your head, you don't have to say it out loud. Um, those things are going to be some of the most powerful tools you have because I mean, in the old Norse world, speaking something made it a real thing. It had power. Words had power. And being able to bring that into your life now is going to be hugely helpful for you because yeah <laughs> yes it's it's a hashtag manifestation speech um mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah just words are important and if you can only say them in your head that's okay you don't have to say them out loud you don't have to write them down if it's if it's going to put you in an unsafe situation just don't do it for anything we've talked about if it's going to put you in an unsafe situation don't have an altar don't have tools don't have stuff it's okay you can be just as heathen without them you don't need it mm-hmm. you really don't you've got your entire life to have things visible don't do it if it's going to be unsafe for you no and the gods care more about you being safe than showing them pretty or like having pretty things that represent them or showing everyone that you're a heathen like if it's legitimately not safe for you mm-hmm. yeah you're not gonna get smote smoted Smited. <laughs> you are not losing any pagan Smitten. points it's fine i promise there we go pagan back, points. To, back to the pagan punch card they're not yes. gonna randomly refill one of your holes yeah, nope your pagan card will <laughs> oh, not be no. revoked no one will confiscate your pagan ID. It's fine if you can't. Do not feel bad. Do not feel like you're disappointing the gods. They're putting up with us forever. I think they're fine. Yes, they're stuck with us. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a thought I just had for people just building their Praxis. One thing that could be really important could be... um researching cultural appropriation ooh, and how that impacts the communities that it affects yes because stuff like white sage and smudging like huge cultural appropriation issue um and you know if just knowledge is power and if we we in my opinion the the standard I hold myself to is I want to better myself so that I don't harm other people, whether it be intentional or unintentional. And you can use that research, that time researching and reading, as a devotional activity as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's the bulk of my stuff at the moment. Uh, just realizing that sitting down with a book and sometimes, you know, I meditate at the same time. Reach out to Freya specifically because it's about Sather, and that time is valuable. Uh, whenever I'm researching about like medicinal plants, that's a devotional act to air. Uh, researching about like death and 
burial and grieving and rites is hell is a, a devotional act to hell. So, yeah, there's so there's so much you can do without. Here's here's all the candles lit up. Here's all the incense. Uh, here's you know an hour of you know um, hallowing a space and preparing for ritual. You know it doesn't have to be that at all. You know not even a little bit. I'll stop there. Otherwise I go on a spiel. <clears throat> I'll just go back around Sather and Bones. There we go. I, I like that we're sitting here like ghosts in a row as if we don't have a time limit. Um, I won't go off on one. I'll save that for a future episode. <laughs> yes. One of the questions we got was, what's your favorite thinking outside the box item in your practice? My crayons. Explain. The crayons <laughs> with the candles. <laughs> the crayons candles. with the candles. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I don't personally yeah. do that, but I no, think I want to make Okay, so my question yeah. for you, Jay, is do you have the eight colored box of crayons or the 118 <laughs> colors boxes of crayons? I have whichever one. 118, of course. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, yeah. so you have the, the big ass box that made you the coolest kid in the fifth grade. Absolutely. And I did not <laughs> nice. have that when I was nor I did not have that when I was in the fifth grade. I had the like twenty-four pack. So it was like eh. but I saw the 118. I was like, yep, that's the one I want. Being an <laughs> adult great. <laughs> it's got the metallic crayons and everything in it. It's great. <gasps> oh my god. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Alright. <laughs> Peak adulting. Um heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think as of now, my one of my favorite outside the box things is putting runes on popsicle sticks. <laughs> yeah. Take anything away from that. Take. So this this episode. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. TLDR popsicle sticks. Really before that, it was putting. Before that, it was putting runes on pennies. Now it's popsicle sticks because you can write the definition on the back. And if you're learning, which I, I'm having some trouble, like memorizing the runes. It's fine. We'll get there, but. That's a really good idea. Brilliant. I'm mad that I didn't think about that. You just have to think more like a Girl Scout leader and less like a human adult. (laughs) Think about how you would teach a group of six-year-olds whatever concept. That's what you do. (laughs) That's great, though. That's a great way of actually thinking about it, though. Get creative. Especially as a beginner, because you basically are, and this is in no way, shape, or form, an insult because we've all been there and there are still things that I know I still feel like a beginner in. You are that six year old learning. Embrace it. I'm still six. Just embrace yeah. the six year old. Uh-huh. Exactly. Embrace that curiosity. Embrace that willingness to learn everything. That is yeah. going to be one of your best tools Absolutely. you will have. Just because you're reading academic articles about history or old magic or anthropology or you're reading sagas and you feel like you're doing very adult stuff fucking put it on a popsicle stick you're gonna remember it if it's ridiculous mm. i might try that with younger mm-hmm. futhark can't get yeah. it yeah i get it <gasps> this is so brilliant i i like my mind 
just exploded with the popsicle stick thing. Channel the unicorn child. sound. Pee is the inner child. Yes, where's my unicorn? Will get it. <laughs> where's the unicorn? I'm gonna unicorn sound. Damn it! It's just not. Astrid, you're gonna have to like. Up. You're gonna have to find a way to record that sound and insert it because I need it in there. That can be our kind of like a bre- like breaking up different topic sound. God. <laughs> no. <laughs> people would people would hate I love us. It. Or I was or they're gonna love us. Both. It's terrible. Oh god. Both can be. And terrible. then it would haunt us or forever. Oh my gosh, it's terrible. <laughs> it sounds so sad as it what I'm currently hearing. <laughs> it's like it's like in Toy Story 2, the penguin with when his squeaker is broken. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. How do you get Oh god, yes. I heard it. It's I heard really it. Really close to the microphone. There you go. Such a oh sound. It's it's got it's wheezy. It's great. Yes. That's it. It's so good. How do you make a couple of millennials understand said sounds? <laughs> Toy Story. Oh god. Oh. Oh. Toy Story two is better than one. Oh, that's my hot take. Just it's just superior in every way. And it's got that one sad song by Sarah McLaughlin. Oh my god. Mm. Oh, god. I'm sorry I brought it up. Let's let's move on. Oh, <laughs> Before oh. we all start crying about stuffed toys. toys. Yeah. So what are some cheap and affordable ways you guys like to show off your heathenness? Ooh. For me, it's not so much my quote-unquote heathenness. It's I have ways of doing, of representing my gods that I worship a lot. Um, biggest thing: look at your stuff you already have. Look at jewelry you might already have. Look at pins you might already have. Look at accessories you might already have. I happen to have had a pair of really, really cheap rose earrings, like they're little polymer clay roses. Days where I feel like I need a little bit more of Freya in my world, I throw those earrings on. But like that's a big thing. Look at what you already have. You don't need to spend the money. Some of these t-shirts and sweatshirts and jackets and hoodies and everything are freaking amazing. And yeah, they're great. You don't need them. Yeah, don't put yourself into debt buying cool shit if you can't afford the cool shit. It's okay. Yeah, the gods aren't gonna yeah. the gods aren't gonna smite you because you're not wearing Something that says heathen on it. <laughs> yeah, like my first Mjolnir, which is, I find it to be one of the most generic heathen symbols, like in a in a good way. Um, it's very popular. Yeah, I think I got my first one. It was just a really, really cheap one off Amazon. It's not ideal, but you know what? If it's what you got, it's what you got, and you appreciate it. If you can't afford that, like definitely just go to the thrift store or check out your own jewelry box or whatever you have lying around see what you can make do with yep i mean i when i first started um in heathenry specifically um i was living in a kind of a weird place and i was in a weird mindset like we had been living in washington for a while washington state and i was pretty openly heathen when we were there And then we moved from there to South Georgia and I where I live now. But this was years ago before we moved here again. 
yay, army life. And uh, <laughs> I was in a weird headspace and I didn't want to necessarily advertise so much that I was pagan or that I was heathen. So I didn't wear a Mjolnir. I didn't wear um, anything specifically that was going to call attention to me. So I have a, uh, a pendant that's, it's an ax head. And I wear that all the time, still wear it all the time. Cause I love it. Um, cause it looks kind of heathen-y, <laughs> but you can find, you can find all sorts of cool shit in like the, the bead section of crafting stores, like neat, cool little cheap pendants that are like axes or arrows or flowers or even just colors that you like and you can make jewelry that way too totally another really good not quite as outwardly heathen but still holds value kind of symbol would be like a world tree a yggdrasil you can find trees anywhere holy shit you can find trees on all sorts of things and it's something oh, that God, else, yeah. it's so like mm-hmm. nonchalant it's still very valuable. It's a very big part of the lore, and it works. Definitely does. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be, you know, heathen TM. It have to be. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be marketed as heathen. It doesn't have to be marketed as a Mjolnir. It doesn't have to be marketed as something specific. If you find something that speaks to you, get it. Yeah, and you know, if, if you're on. Or if you're living in a place where you're you're kind of in the closet about it, like whether or where you go to a job every day where you're you need to be in the closet, you don't have to have something that's you know a dinner plate size Mjolnir on your chest in order to oh god yeah, unquote no. like rep your heathenry. It's okay, <laughs> like <laughs> like don't don't put yourself in an awkward situation because you feel like you have to be that person who's like i've got a thor t-shirt and i'm uh, i don't i don't know like if you can and you want to that's awesome there's tons of cool websites out there where you can buy all sorts of cool stuff but if you can't and you don't want to put yourself again don't put yourself in an unsafe situation just because you feel like you have to yeah and unsafe also means going into debt Yes. yes. Financial oh. safety. Financial safety, fire safety, personal safety. They all go hand in hand. The gods don't want you going into debt for them. Exactly. All right. Astrid, you need to know that your description of a dinner plate sized Mjolnir made me think of Flava Flav wearing a Mjolnir instead of a clock. I'm so glad <laughs> that that was oh, the mind for you. <laughs> Just do not be fake. Now I've got that visual. Now I've got that visual in my head, and that's hysterical. Oh, that's so good. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm I'm here to please. Flave a pagan <laughs> or something. I don't know. Have to type it out. Mega Flave. And for you that youngsters out there who don't know who Flava Flave is, use Google. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to explain it because then I'll feel even more old than I already feel. Yep. But he needs to be a flavor <laughs> pagan. <laughs> flavor pagan. <laughs> I'm coining it. I'm trademarking it. It's mine. Oh, no. God. Really? <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. I guess, like, really the moral of, like, a lot of this is, like, you do you when it comes to your praxis and how you represent yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. 
let's get into final notes for beginners. I'm gonna start with read the lore, not books about the lore. Start with the actual Eddas, not books about the Eddas. You feel me? <laughs> Yeah. As close as close as you can get to primary source. Correct. Yeah. It's definitely the way to go at first, yeah. Well and on that note, like I'm just for lack of better phrasing at this exact moment in time, I'm just gonna call it the um the Nazi issue and also like folkism and racism issues are pretty prevalent in heathenry. Um, so one thing I highly recommend is becoming educated on the subjects of, like, what symbols Nazis used, what, what are actually Nazi symbols and not traditional heathen symbols. Um, you should definitely learn about history of racism and how it applies to people today, like, systemically and whatever. Um, and just make sure you're well informed on a lot of those topics as you dive into this, just so as... Like you're looking at books and YouTube videos or blogs or wh whatever source you've found, you can make sure that you're looking out for these. I think I think I've heard it called a dog whistle before. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that you're looking out for these dog whistles and these these little red flags so that you can keep yourself safe and Absolutely. make sure that you're in a good inclusive space. Some of them are just klaxons, though. I'm going to take that a step further yeah. and say that that is not a recommendation, especially for heathens. That is a requirement. That is an obligation you have if you are going to be active in heathenry. Agreed. And to be honest, I think it should be for any pagan because racism exists across and shit like that those. will. Yeah, racism happens everywhere um, because it ties in also with cultural appropriation, which can actually end up being part of the systemic racism. So, yeah, but dog whistles is big, huge must-do, <laughs> especially in heathenry, but I think it should be across the board. While, while we're talking about that, um, make sure, like, because I, I can relate to looking at all these other different practices and being like, oh, that's so shiny, I love it. But as you're doing that, make sure the practices you're looking into aren't a closed practice. As an eclectic... If you're going to do eclectic shit, you have a responsibility to do it correctly. Eclectics should be researching as much as recon so that they know that what they're taking is not closed. It's not appropriative. You re that's a responsibility you have if you're going to be looking at other practices and incorporating those things into yours. Yeah. And if you, if you look at a practice that you're really interested in and you realize it's closed, that doesn't automatically mean that that's a no-no for you that means like the next steps would be reaching out to that community and seeing if they would be willing to share some of that with you or like if it's initiatory or whatever see if like if they actually have something like that available for you to actually take the appropriate steps and if they don't then the answer is no if they do and you're still interested yeah like it's going to be a little more difficult than just picking up a book but if if that's what you really want, that's what you should do. Any other end notes? Uh, something quick, too, because, again, we're not just looking at heathens. We're looking at witches. We're looking at everyone else. And some of these are things that I think actually work across the board. Uh, so in the witchy space, 
we always push our big our basics things that you can do with absolutely no tools learn how to ground yourself there are a thousand and two things you can do to ground yourself everything from literally going outside putting your bare feet on the ground and imagining you pulling roots through to the ground and then the roots coming back up to you to the five senses exercise that a lot of therapists use to help people during panic attacks anything that will bring you back to the present moment uh those are all grounding grounding is really really good one it's a tactic i think everybody should have for times where life is just getting really rough you can kind of take that and it can be as quick as 10 seconds 15 seconds it could be as long as you want it and it kind of stops you from that doom scrolling in your head and I think it's something as pagans, as heathens, or it's a good idea to do before you do any prayers or big rituals as well. Get yourself, again, another psychological cue to get yourself in that sacred space. Uh, cleansing, and that both spiritual cleansing and physical mundane cleaning. No one's saying have a perfectly spotless house, but make it tidy. Um, well, I <laughs> exactly your house spirits are sitting there they're kind of like i don't have a space because everything is everywhere is tidy it just buddy yeah <laughs> tidy up a little bit show the respect to your house and it's going to show respect to you um and that that includes your altar again my altar is cluttered but it's neat it's clean take everything off your altar once in a blue moon clean it off while you're doing that, also imagine cleansing that space from whatever energy, good, bad, or otherwise, might be stagnant there. Protections, big thing, especially if you're going to be working with spirits or the dead. It's a really good idea to even have like just base level protections, asking the gods, asking your ancestors, asking your house spirits to protect you. A little bit of extra credit would be banishing, uh, which is getting rid of bad energy, bad spirits that want to harm you. So those are like basic skills that if, as a heathen, you eventually want to branch out to a magical practice, or as a witch, as a pagan wanting to branch into a magical practice, I think those are skills, that base, those are basic skills that every beginner should have. And again, they're free. You do not need a single tool to do any of them. So that's my GCPV script. <laughs> awesome. Does that conclude our episode? Oh, what's my voice doing? That was weird. Drink some water. We have coffee mm. time after this. Oh, God. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that everything we want to mention? Should we close it? I think so. I think we're good. I think we're good. Thank you, everyone, for listening to official episode two. Holy shit, you guys have been incredible on our first episode. I think we hit 200 within, like, 15 hours, which blows my mind right out of my head. Um, you guys know that everyone's watched YouTube videos before. Do the thing with the buttons or whatever. Um, <laughs> and then if you want to be super cool, and if you want me to love you forever... You could maybe leave us a comment too. That'd be great. Tell us about the weirdest shit on your altar. I don't know. Do whatever you want. I'm not your mom. 
<laughs> I genuinely don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> this is the sign off. It always has been. <laughs> it's totally fine. Yay! Like and subscribe. Tell us what the weirdest shit on your altar is. Go for it. We just did look forward to hearing it. I'm a professional. I promise. Keep heathenry <laughs> weird or something. I don't know. Yeah. To be determined. <laughs> the end. <laughs>